You are listening to the Christian Bookworm Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. I show up every week to talk to you about all things bookish and to share one fiction, one nonfiction, and one children's book selection written by and for Christians. I love reading good books, and I love helping you find good books too. Let's dive in. This is episode 11. I hope you all had a very happy Christmas, and I hope you have the new year on the brain because I'm going to be talking to you a little bit today about my 2021 reading goals before we dive into our book recommendations. I am going to be telling you today about the best secular books I read in 2020, and I couldn't narrow it down past three, so you're getting nine recommendations today. Three fiction, three nonfiction, and three middle grade selections. And now that I've said that, I'm thinking that you'll probably actually end up getting a little more than nine, because I'm sure I will sneak in some honorable mentions here and there. These are not all books that were published in 2020, just books I read in 2020. So you'll be able to find the links to all of these and to anything else I talk about today on the show notes page, and that is at www.authorskbell.com slash p slash show notes dot html. And I also wanted to give you a quick reminder that our sponsor for the month of December is The Good and the Beautiful. The Good and the Beautiful is the Christian homeschool curriculum company my family has been using and loving since 2017. And even if you are not a homeschooler, I highly recommend you check out their website, goodandbeautiful.com. Whether you are doing public school and struggling to make things click with distance learning, so looking for some supplemental materials, or are not at all interested in homeschooling and are just looking for um, good, clean fiction reads for your kids, Um, And nonfiction, too, actually. The Good and the Beautiful has you covered. So we do use them for our actual homeschool curriculum choices. Um, But we also really love them as an awesome resource for finding kid books. So you can check out the Good and the Beautiful book list, which is a completely free resource. Um, Hundreds of book recommendations, mostly secular, with some Christian recommendations for preschoolers all the way up through high school seniors. They have picture books, early readers, chapter books, novels, like I said, fiction and nonfiction. And again, it's a free resource, so absolutely worth it. And then they also have the Good and the Beautiful Library. And this is where they publish their own original publications and also re-release previously published out-of-print publications. They have some really awesome books through there. Um... Both the library and the book list have been a hit for me. Of course, I have not read all of the over a thousand um, offerings they have, but um, I have yet to be disappointed. So, goodandbeautiful.com, definitely check them out. And if you've got little ones in your home, also consider their virtual story time, which is a really awesome tool, which is at goodandbeautifulstorytime.com, also completely free. I have never set a word of the year intention for myself before, but last month um, I just really kind of felt like God was whispering a word of the year into my heart, if that makes sense. 
um, during my morning time, and the word is nourish. So I've just been reflecting a lot on that word, and I will be um, praying praying about it um, all throughout my 2021 and trying to make that a priority, nourishing my own spirit and nourishing my family and my friends and my community and my podcast listeners and just anyone who is in my life praying, God, how how am I supposed to nourish this person today? Um, and I'm also setting my goals, like I always do. If you um, are a, fr- a fan of personality frameworks, that would be my Enneagram One Wing or my Myers-Briggs J coming out, but goal setting has always been really fun for me. So what I like to do is I break up all my goals into categories, and then I have this list of kind of sweeping goals for the year. And then I break them down further by month and look at, okay, what do I need to achieve this month to make these goals happen? And then I'm going to pretend that's where it stops, but really I also break it down by week and by day because I am crazy like that. So um, I have all kinds of categories, family and homeschool and finance and health and business goals. And I always um, have reading goals. So, um, partly because I just, because I love reading and I want to make sure it happens and partly because reading is such a huge part of my, um, personal development and spiritual growth and partially because reading has become my job. Um, I have created a business that is built around books and reading and that means I need to make sure I actually get reading done to stay on track. So, Um, This year I have four reading goals for myself, and I thought it would be fun to share those. And if you have reading goals um, of your own, I would love to hear about them. So the first one is to read 100 books that are 100 pages or more. So I will probably read more like two or 300 books this year, but most of those are going to be those leveled, easy readers that I like to pre-screen for my kids. Um, So I don't count those. If it's a, you know, 39-page level 2 reader book, I'm not going to count that on my reading log. It has to be um, 100 pages or more. So middle grade is allowed, but I don't know why 100 pages. That's just a rule I made for myself uh, arbitrarily, but I'm sticking with it. Um, My second goal is to read 12 books I already own. So when publishers send me books in the mail, um, just as, you know, professional courtesy, those, of course, move to the very top of my list. And then when I get excited about a book and request it from the library, um, once I've checked that book out, I only have 28 days to read it, unless, of course, I manage to get to renew it. Um, So those become second highest priority. Which means that all these lovely books I already own on my shelf and am excited about get um, pushed to the end of the line. So I want to make sure I'm actually getting to read those books I've been so excited about. So one a month, I think I can handle it. I know I'm going to read a lot more um, children's books that I already own. So these are just for my grown-up fiction and nonfiction. My third goal or reading goal is um, I want to read a sci-fi, a Christian sci-fi and a Christian fantasy book that I'm happy with, happy enough with to um, recommend on the podcast. 
These are genres that I'm not really very familiar with and don't tend to really ever read. So I, I think it'll be good for me anyways to step outside the box in that way. Um, but I just really want to make sure that I'm reading things that I can recommend on the show that will excite all kinds of readers. So I'll probably end up trying a few before I find something I like enough to recommend on the show. Maybe not, but we'll just, yeah, we're going to do that. So wish me luck. And then the fourth reading goal is a bedtime routine that my husband and I want to implement. Um, we both love to read. We both have a nice fat stack of books to be read um, at all times. And But we're just finding ourselves not reading very much. Um, he's at work all day. And I'm homeschooling and doing chores and hanging out with the kids all day. So neither one of us really does any reading during the day. Um, he does listen to audiobooks on his commute. And when I do my morning workout, I either listen to a podcast or an audiobook, depending on the week. But as far as just sitting down and curling up with a good book, it pretty much doesn't happen during the day. So we both would like to see ourselves... Um, tuck the kids in and then read more nights than we watch a show or a movie. So we're going to try to only watch something on Friday and Saturday nights and otherwise just read. I'm sure we'll break that here and there when we have um, like a favorite show that we get our hands on. But uh, for the most part, we want to stick to that. And I think that'll help both of us get a lot more reading in this year. So, like I said, if you have reading goals, I would love to hear about them, so definitely tell me what they are. Okay, let's talk about my favorite secular fiction of 2020. So, the first one I want to tell you about is Marilla of Green Gables by Sarah McCoy. This is, just as it sounds, if you're a fan of Anne of Green Gables, as I am, this is Marilla's story. Um, what life was like for Marilla as she was growing up at Green Gables. I was really skeptical about this one at first because, of course, Sarah McCoy is not L.M. Montgomery, and I wasn't sure if a different author um, would be able to pull it off, but I was very wrong, and I loved this book, um, adored it. I don't think there was a single content warning um, that I can remember. I could be wrong about that, but in general, I would say this book was appropriate and wholesome and um, just generally wonderful and well-written and inspiring and absolutely worth your time if you're an Anne of Green Gables fan. The second one is Forgotten Garden by Kate Morton, uh, The Forgotten Garden. So this one, I guess, is a gothic story, and um, I am new to that term, gothic story, but um, in general, I really, really loved this book. It was a time slip with three different timelines in it. And it was the story of um, a young woman who discovers later in life that she was adopted and goes on a quest to, you know, find her biological family or, or find out why she was abandoned or, you know, just to understand her own story. Well, this young woman uh, gets old and passes away before she's actually hunted down any answers. And so her granddaughter, this is storyline number two, um, takes the hunt into her own hands. And so we're seeing, you know, real time 
granddaughter is trying to figure it all out. Then we get, you know, glimpses into the past as the grandmother was doing her own search. And then we also get flashes back to that biological family and to finding out what exactly happened. Um, it is really well done. It does, uh, you know, gothic story. It does get sad and dark at times. Um, but I just I loved it. And it was 500 pages. And it did take me a little bit longer to read because of that. But in general, I feel like I flew right through it. Um, there is a content warning here. I think I was over 50% of the way through this book um, before there was anything notable, though. I remember saying online that, you know, so far it's been perfectly appropriate. And so it did take a, a slight turn. Um, it still was never anything completely horrible, if I'm remembering right. I do want to warn um, that there is an intimacy um, line, storyline here, um, at some point after the halfway mark. It is not um, ever graphically described. So you're aware that it's about to happen, and then you're aware that it did happen. But if I am remembering this right, you are never seeing anything aside from that. Um, but again, it was really, really well written. Um, I read this as a buddy read with my mother-in-law and both of us are definitely planning to check out, um, another Kate Morton book, I think later this in, you know, in 2021. So the third book is Before We Were Yours by Lisa Wingate. Um, so if you are an avid Christian fiction reader, you might recognize Lisa Wingate's name because she does write Christian fiction. This is not, this is secular. And major content warnings on this one because this is not at all like her Christian fiction. It is very sad and very dark. Um, this is the story um, based on the true story of Georgia Tan and the Tennessee Children's Home Society. So if you're not familiar with this with this you know true life story, uh, Georgia Tan founded the Tennessee Children's Home Society, and they really preyed on. Um, lower class families and kidnapped, even um, kidnapped children, you know, tricked parents into signing away their rights to their young children. Um, lots and lots and lots of children were ripped away from their families and sold to other families, um, oftentimes under different names and with their background stories completely changed on the paperwork. And so years later, um, so many of those people never really found out what really happened to them in life, never really found um, their biological families. It's very upsetting. And Lisa Wingate wrote a time slip, a fictionalized time slip account of what may have happened to someone in the story. Um, so time slip, we have, of course, a modern contemporary timeline that's tying in with um, a very sad uh, story from back then. Now there's a lot of resilience and triumph in this story. And there is a faint sense of hope weaved in, but for the most part, there were a lot of things that, um, you really couldn't feel hopeful about. And that was hard for me. Um, and I also have to warn you that, um, the orphanage, if you will, the home that the children were sent to, um, was very, very abusive um, it was a really horrible situation, and um, 
the book multiple times alludes to an inappropriate man um, doing the caretaking in the orphanage or the home and um, preying on the children. So you need to be aware of that if you choose to dive into this one. Um, I'm not really talking it up very well because I want to give you those warnings, but it was so well written and I just couldn't put it down. Um, if you have read this before, or if it sounds like something you might read, I also want to sneak in a recommendation for a nonfiction, um, companion, which is Before and After by Lisa Wingate and Judy Christie. Um, so this is the after effect of this book. So many of the people who lived out that story with the Tennessee Children's Home Society um, read this book and reached out and to Lisa Wingate, the author, and as a result, they held a reunion. Um, and also as a result, many people were able to connect with biological families um, that they you know, otherwise may not have been able to connect with. And a lot of these people were able to connect with each other, which as you can imagine, must have been amazing because after such a strange, harrowing story, it must have felt really great to meet someone who could say, me too, I understand. So that book actually was very hopeful and uplifting and felt good, a feel-good read more. Um, despite the circumstances, you felt the hope and the heart. So if you read those or if you've read those, I would love to know what you think. A lot of y'all know how much I love books about the human microbiome and about um, nature, science in general. I think God is a really cool, creative guy, and he has made the world so intricate and so detailed, but in a way that it all just um, works together so seamlessly. And I am endlessly fascinated and feel closer to him every time I study certain science concepts that, uh, I don't know, just portray his creative genius, if you will. So the human microbiome is absolutely one of those subjects for me, and um, I can't seem to stop reading books about it. The first one I'm going to tell you about is a human microbiome book. So this is Let Them Eat Dirt by B. Brett Finlay. Um, I've read several of these, but this one was a little different in that this one was about raising children to have a healthy microbiome. And as a mom, that seemed like a perfect fit for me, and of course it was. If you don't already know about the microbiome or you don't know much about it, but you're interested, um, this is a good place to start. I don't think you really need to know really anything about it before diving into this one. And it just gave some really great um, insight as to different things we can do or not do to help give our kids that really good, healthy start. Um, and all kinds of fun tips and tidbits. It was just a really good and well-written read. I promise it's not as boring as it probably sounds while I'm explaining it. The second nonfiction book I really loved this year was Better Than Before by Gretchen Rubin. Um, in a way, this is like a personality framework book for goal setting. So y'all know how much I love personality frameworks. She talks in this book about the four tendencies, and these are the four different 
um, kind of goal setting and goal achieving styles that humans tend to have. So, um, for example, you know, one type of person, if they decide they're going to achieve something, they do. And then there's other types of people who um, they can decide and they can make their plans and make their lists and buy everything they need or, you know, whatever they have to do to get set up. But it's not going to happen unless they tell someone else they're going to do it. And then suddenly they kind of can't not do it. So there are two more of those. Of course, there's four of them. And she just gives these really amazing tips and this great insight on how you can actually achieve your goals and um, start new habits or kick old habits based on your unique personality um, because it kind of isn't one size fits all like so many other habit books kind of um, tell us it is. Um, I also wanted to share that her sister has diabetes and throughout the book she would share little snippets about where she would tell her sister about something she had just learned about doing the research for her book and her sister would come back a week or two later and say okay you know you you talked to me about this thing and I tried to implement this as a result and now my um oh uh, I want to say it's a1c levels um have improved so uh if you like goal setting, if you like personality frameworks, just in general, I think this would be a great book for you. But if you struggle with managing diabetes, you also might want to check this one out because um, she shared some really awesome tidbits tidbits that just helped her sister to get some things um, kind of reined in more tightly, if that's maybe a good way of putting that. And I want to sneak in another recommendation. Um, Outer Order, Inner Calm, also by Gretchen Rubin, was also a really good read just for um, better organizing your spaces and therefore your life. Um, There are six people in my family. We live in this little tiny cabin in the woods. So I'm constantly trying to rearrange little things to make more space where there just isn't space. So I really enjoyed that book as well, but not quite as much as Better Than Before. And then the last nonfiction I want to tell you about was Jennifer's Way by Jennifer Esposito. So she is an actress. She's in a lot of films and shows, but the only ones I recognized were the TV show Blue Bloods and the movie Crash. But the reason I picked this book up is because Jennifer Esposito and my husband both have celiac disease. And this is her story about, you know, life with celiac disease and then getting her diagnosis and then treatment and how she has um, managed celiac disease since then. So she had some very different symptoms from my husband, as his are um, pretty much just neurological, but um, it was still really helpful to see what she went through on the path to, you know, finding a diagnosis And then just to get some really great um, tips and wisdom on how to help him navigate a healthier life um, in spite of and alongside with celiac disease. So if you have celiac disease or have a friend or a loved one who has it, definitely this is a great read. Um, I do have to warn, though, that somewhere near the end she does use the F word at some point. I think that's it, though, for that one. 
Okay, let's talk about these middle grade picks. The first one is Echo by Pam Munoz Ryan. So this one is a World War II story, and it's told from three main perspectives. Um, a boy caught up in the Nazi occupation, uh, two orphaned brothers in Pennsylvania, and a Hispanic family, or a Hispanic girl, whose family is caretaking the farm of a Japanese family while they are in an internment camp. Um, so these three stories are all three really powerful and moving, and they, of course, all weave together in a really cool way. This was actually a reread for me because I love this book. Um, Grown-ups, children alike, it's awesome. The first time I read it, um, I just read it, and this time I actually listened to it on audiobook simply because I saw a blog post where another reader tried it for the first time and loved the way the music worked into the audiobook, and I thought, oh, well, I didn't get that experience. So this time I listened to it through audiobook, and I did get that experience, and it did not disappoint. So again, Echo by Pam Munoz Ryan. The second one is actually a graphic novel. This one is When Stars Are Scattered by Victoria Jameson and Omar Muhammad. Um, this is the fictionalized account of Omar Muhammad's true story, um, just about life as a Somalian refugee. So he and his brother um, are orphaned, or I should say were orphaned in Somalia, and um, they had to run to a refugee camp in Kenya when their village was destroyed. They were separated from their mother. Their father um, was killed. And they were just living alone. And there was a woman in the tent across from them at the camp who was essentially their foster mother. Um, but, it, you know, she was in her own tent and she's not their parent. And so really this, you know, young boy was the primary caretaker for himself and his special needs younger brother. And seeing the hope um, that they clung to and the, the resilience they showed and, and just the amazing spirit involved in this story was really powerful and um, really eye-opening and enlightening and just opened up my heart more towards um, situations that, you know, I don't think very often about Somalian refugees. Um, and we used to live in St. Cloud, Minnesota for a little while, and um, there are a lot of Somali refugees living in that area. So it's surprising to me, um, you know, that I was so far removed from it. But this story was so beautifully done. Um, I think probably best for middle school-aged kids. Um, but I think my favorite part of all was just seeing the beautiful relationship between these two brothers. Um, that was really powerful, and I definitely look forward to sharing this one with my kids when they are a little bit older. The last one I want to tell you about today was a um, read-aloud that we did as a family. This is Five Little Peppers and How They Grew by Margaret Sidney. This is a classic and I had never read it before as a kid. So we, um, because my oldest is seven, we read the Classic Starts adaptation, and, which we actually found through the Good and the Beautiful book list. 
and we loved this one so much. Um, we were really excited to find out that it's actually a series. So in a couple years, I think we will reread um, the original and unabridged version. And I would love to read the rest in the series as well. This is the story of the Pepper family. And it's that kind of older style, like, for example, Anne of Green Gables, where there's not really a big sweeping, you know, plot so much as there is just simply a story of the life of um, this, you know, the Pepper family. It's a really sweet one, and I hope everyone will give it a try. I also want to take a quick moment to tell you about another item our wonderful December sponsor sent to my family. The Good and the Beautiful sent us a great um, supplemental math resource called Musical Multiplication. This is um, these small little books with beautiful illustrations and some music written and performed by Jenny Phillips, the founder of The Good and the Beautiful. And these are just a really sweet way to help my son memorize um, multiplication tables. Um, when I was a kid, I actually remember struggling a little bit with some of my multiplication tables. I had no problem with my threes because of the Schoolhouse Rock song. Um, there were some tables that came a lot easier for me than others. And I think if I had had a resource like this, I probably would have had no problem memorizing all of them very quickly and easily. So if you are in need of a little supplemental resource like that, I really encourage you to check it out. I will link to it in the show notes, of course, but you can just find it on your own as well at goodandbeautiful.com. Thank you, bookworms, for listening to today's show. Now that I'm off those major social media platforms, I could really use your help more than ever to help spread the word and get this podcast in more listeners' ears. So if you would, please take a moment to share this with your family and friends. If you are curious about why I am off those major social media platforms, you can listen to the last six or so minutes of episode 10 and get a little recap. Um, in the meantime, I would love for you to connect with me on some other sites. You can always email me, skbell36 at gmail.com. And I love Goodreads. If you're a bookworm and you're not on Goodreads, I think you're missing out. I encourage you to check it out. Come find me. Let's be friends. Say hi. I am author SK Bell. And you can also find me as author SK Bell on some of those newer social media platforms. Gab, Parlor, MeWe, My Replace Book, Spreely, Wimpkin. I think that's all of them. Bookworms, as you make your New Year's goals and resolutions this year, I hope that you will remember that that is a good and noble and honorable thing, but that there is a big difference between improving yourself and changing yourself. Pay attention to that, bookworms, and remember that God created you on purpose because your unique personality is needed in this world. So yes, improve it. Let your best assets 
make it even stronger and shine. But improvement and change are two very different things. I hope you have a great day today, bookworms, and I hope that at some point involves you curling up with a good book. See you next time. Thank you.